Sorry about that. Would you pray with me this morning um, for our community and the world around us? God, we gather today um, because we want to know you more. We gather today because we want to have an experience of being in your presence, and we gather today because we recognize the opportunity to make a difference in the world that you give us. And so we ask, Lord, that this morning you would fill us to overflowing so that we could go out and give away our lives more and more. Lord, the world around us is grieving, as you know. We struggle through a pandemic, and we struggle through all sorts of illness and ailments, and we struggle through violence in the streets, and we struggle. But there's so much more than just the struggle, God, because you bring us so much grace and love and hope. And we want to be agents of those things in this world. This morning, Lord, we pray specifically for Christina Turner and for Aaron Barber, for Jeff Lewis, for Levi and Janice, for Vanessa Diaz and her family, for Roberta, Susan, and Daniel. Lord, we pray for all of the families who are grieving because of death experienced during this pandemic. We pray for Michael Knowles, a three-year-old with a brain tumor, Lord. We pray for families that are moving, and we pray for everyone to stay as healthy as possible. It's in Jesus' name that we pray all these things. Amen. We are in the third week of Advent, and when I was a kid, I can remember sitting in church and like every, it felt like four weeks between every candle lighting, because to me, the countdown was to this middle can, candle here, which is lit on Christmas Eve, which is uh, the most exciting time in a kid's life, is Christmas Eve and trying to get to Christmas morning. And uh, I was just like beside myself by this time of the year, waiting for school to be out and all of the things that used to happen back in the old days, you know. I'm going to read probably the most familiar Christmas story to you this morning. It's Luke chapter 2, and if you're following along in our weekly devotional uh, that came out in the Advent boxes, this is the story that you will be reading this week um, uh, in the Advent time. So Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 1, and I will read all the way through verse 14. In those days, Caesar Augustus declared that everyone throughout the empire should be enrolled in the tax lists. This first en enrollment occurred when Quirinius governed Syria. Everyone went to their own cities to be enrolled, and since Joseph belonged to David's house and family line, he went up from the city of Nazareth in Galilee to David's city called Bethlehem in Judea. He went to be enrolled together with Mary, who was promised to him in marriage, and who was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for Mary to have her baby. She gave birth to her firstborn son, or firstborn, a child and a son, and wrapped him snugly and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the guest room. Nearby shepherds were living in the fields, guarding their sheep at night. And the Lord's angel stood before them. 
The Lord's glory shone around them, and they were terrified. The angel said, do not be afraid. Look, I bring good news to you, wonderful, joyous news for all people. Your Savior is born today in David's city. He is the Christ. He is Christ the Lord. This is a sign for you. You will find a newborn baby wrapped snugly and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great assembly of the heavenly forces was with the angel praising God, and they said, Glory to God in heaven, and on earth peace among those whom he favors. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God, and may God give us wisdom and courage for interpretation. May God give us wisdom and courage to apply the truth of Scripture to our lives. Amen. It's a weird passage to preach from, I have to say. I've worked and tried all week long and beginning last week to try to figure out something new and different to say about this passage of Scripture because, you know, there are people who show up to church around Christmas time and around Easter time, and that's it. And so they hear the birth story and they hear the resurrection story, and they miss the ones in between. And so most Americans, if they've ever been to church at all, have heard this story. And if you've watched Charlie Brown's Christmas, which most Americans have done, you've heard this story. And so to figure out something new to say is a futile act because people have been preaching about this essentially since it happened. And so uh, I gave up trying to find something new today, to say to you all, and I hope that's okay, because you already know everything probably about this. I could tell you all about why they left Bethlehem, or why they had to go to Bethlehem, and what the census was about, and why they needed to pay taxes, and how much they paid in taxes. I could tell you all of that stuff. You've probably already heard it before, but if you haven't, it was an astronomical tax that was actually crushing to their lives. He had to go to Bethlehem because that's where Joseph's family was from. And side note, interesting fact, Bethlehem means bread village. And what do we call Jesus? The bread of life. And what do we break when we have communion? We break the bread. And what are we called? The body of Christ. There's just something really interesting about that to me. But today, I wanted to think about joy. And I had a, and a, something happened to me this week, and uh, Stuart was there with me in the midst of it, that really started to capture my imagination and make me think about this story. So the shepherds are in the field, right? They've, they, they're out there. Uh, who knows how old they were? They could have been boys, because we know that King David, before he rose to prominence and became a king, when he was a boy, was a shepherd. So they could have been Geo's age, or they could have been my age, or they could have been older. Who knows how old they were? Maybe it was some cross-section of lots of different ages, and it was an intergenerational group of shepherds. But they lived in the fields. They were akin to what in the American West we had as European trappers that lived out in the wilderness and weren't necessarily clean and weren't necessarily safe people to be around. I don't think that we would ask any of them to babysit our children. 
They were, quote-unquote, lowly shepherds. They were prone to violence, typically rough around the edges, and smelled. And there's something so beautiful about the fact that they were the first ones other than Joseph and Mary and the animals around and whoever owned that place that they were in to find out that the Christ child had been born. It says something about who God is that God would choose to announce the birth of Jesus to the lowest of the low in the region before the rich and powerful found out. I think that God cares deeply about all of us. But I think those of us who aren't on the lowest rungs of society, our job is to function as Jesus functioned, or as God functioned, by going to the lowest places and serving. When uh, Michelle and I uh, first moved to Abilene, Texas, my first appointment right out of seminary, Bishop Whitfield invited, quote, when a bishop invites you to do something, it's kind of, uh, it's not really an invitation, it's, it's a demand. And so I was invited, along with Michelle, to go on a leadership retreat for couples. It was kind of a marriage retreat slash leadership retreat, all wrapped up into one. And so we went to this thing, and there was another pastor there who, at the time, was living in Lubbock, Texas. And so the retreat was here in New Mexico. And we were all sitting around, us ministry families were all sitting around having dinner one night, and this pastor in Lubbock, Texas, started complaining about New Mexico, which really put him on my bad list right away, you know. And uh, specifically, he was talking trash about Santa Fe. And what he said was he does not like going to Santa Fe because it is a spiritually bankrupt place. Our theology as United Methodists is we have an understanding of what we call prevenient grace. The grace of God that goes before us in our lives and is, is, is preparing the way and is waiting for us to arrive in that moment in time so that we can meet God in all places at all times. We also understand as Christians that what we experience at Christmas time is called the incarnation, the, the, God of, the, the God of spirit coming to earth and enfleshing God's self in the form of a baby so that that baby could grow and become a man and show us how to live life to the fullest in a way that shows love and hope and joy and peace to the world around us. And I didn't know this pastor very well at dinner that night. If I had, I would have challenged him a little and said, listen, that's, that doesn't even match who we are as Methodists. As Methodists, we don't believe that there is a place that's spiritually bankrupt. In fact, the psalmist writes, where can I go from your presence, God? From the highest of highs to the lowest points of the sea, you are everywhere. But we forget that sometimes. We forget. And we believe that there are places that are spiritually bankrupt. Or we, we forget and we start to think that maybe God has left us alone. And doesn't see us and doesn't hear us crying out for help. And doesn't see the pain of our children or our grandchildren or our nieces or our nephews or our spouses or our friends. 
But what happens on Christmas, what happens on the day of Jesus' birth, we celebrate the fact that not only does God see and hear, but God is here. Emmanuel, God with us. From the lowest point on the ladder to the highest point that you could possibly imagine a person being, God is there. There is something amazing and beautiful about that. But when we're struggling, it's hard to imagine finding joy. When you're a shepherd in the field who's cold and hungry and is having to eat whatever bread you have left in your sack, maybe it's old and stale, potentially moldy, and you're picking the mold away so you can just have something to eat, it's hard to find joy in some of the most difficult times in our lives. So back to the story with Stuart and I. We were having um, a meal together at a restaurant in Messiah. And I was telling Stuart about this man that I see in my neighborhood a lot. He walks up and down Spitz Street, and a lot of times his clothes are dirty and disheveled, and his hair is long, and he's almost always wearing a bandana. And sometimes he's walking kind of tall, and, or not tall, but he's a, he's a smaller man, but he's walking more upright, and when he's walking upright, he'll throw a peace sign at every car that passes him. And when he's not doing well, he's kind of hunched over and looking down and won't even look up when a car passes. And I was telling Stuart about him, and Stuart goes, is this him? And walking down the street came the man I was talking about. And he walks past us and sees us sitting there and greets us and says, Happy Holidays and many more to you. And you could feel it, right, Stuart? I mean, I could feel he meant it, Guillermo. And so I start asking our waitress about him, and she starts telling me his story. I go home, and I tell my kids, hey, you know the guy we see walking up? And I talked to him. I saw him. He came out and talked to us and told us that he had the spirit of fire within him, like Jeremiah the prophet, and he was telling us all kinds of interesting things. And so I was telling my kids about it. Yesterday... I drive out to Messiah to get breakfast for my wife and I, and I'm standing outside the restaurant, and the same guy walks up, Stuart. He says, happy holidays. How is your family? He's never met my family. And I said, they're doing really good. How's yours? Mine are good. Thanks for asking. So much joy. You, I mean, you could feel it. It was in his chest. And I started thinking about the shepherds. And how people probably looked upon them the way we look upon members of our society who might have mental illness, who might not have a stable life. Listen to what the angels said. Do not be afraid. Look, how important is it for us to look? I don't know about you, but sometimes all I can do is look at myself and feel sorry for myself. But God, through these angels, is saying, 
Do not be afraid. Look, I bring good news to you, wonderful, joyous news for all people. I have a feeling the man in my neighborhood who I've bumped into in Messiah a couple of times recently has no fear. And I have a feeling he looks and I know that there is joy deep down in his soul. My hope is that this week you will not fear, that you will look and that you will experience the depths of joy that can only come through an experience of the presence of God. In the name of our Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer.